You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey there, this is the Dodgers Padres Locked On Series Review. Uh, I am Jeff Snyder. That over there, that direction is Javi Reyes. I'm from Locked On Dodgers. Javi's from Locked On Padres. And Javi, I just want to start by explaining that legally, slander has to be untrue. And so when, every time you've accused me of slander, technically you're slandering me because everything I've ever said about you is true. You understand? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand 100%, man. I mean, it's just, I'm just so glad that we're we're doing this again. It's it's funny because I had a brief moment, man. I had like a such a, a flying comet. You know what I mean? It was like the Iggy Azalea of being able to finally come back and be, I was the one in the spotlight. And then it kind of, in fairness, I, it wasn't even that brief. It was for a good first half of 2021. And now here we are where... I imagine you have plenty of insults prepared for the Padres first baseman, who I, of course, cannot name and what have you. But I'm still excited because I still think that while the series did not go the Padres way, obviously, I still think it's still fun, as always, to talk Dodgers Padres. Although not too much fun to the point where there are fights in the stands. I don't know if you saw that for the Friday night game. We don't want that. But in terms of the, uh, you know, the insults and whatnot um, and just the the good trash talk, I'm always here for yeah, uh, I, I don't prepare my insults. They just come to me. Um, but uh, I go into every one of these conversations with you planning on being nice to you. And then by the end, you're calling me a villain on Twitter. And, uh, you know, whatever happens. I haven't done it in a while. I can't come up with anything. Mm. You know, because at this point, if I'm so backed into the corner, I really need that big, like a big haymaker. You know what I mean? I need to come out with a big one, not just a little jab. You know what I mean? Yeah. So eventually I'll figure something out. Eventually. I, uh, so. I assume it'll be in one game when uh, hopefully the Padres starting pitching does really well and that something funny happens. But otherwise, um, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's not looking great for the pods. As for the fights in the stands, I've been to games in 33 major league stadiums, 29 of the 30 current ones, and four that are no longer in use. And uh, people want to say it's a Dodger Stadium thing, it's a Yankee Stadium thing, whatever it is, it's just a drunk baseball fan thing. Fan you know, thing. P- mm-hmm. people go to baseball games, and in order to fill a stadium, you're not going to fill it with diehard baseball fans who are there for the game. You're going to have to have some of these casual fans who are there for the social the social event. And unfortunately, or you know, part of that social event is, uh, for some people getting drunk and being an idiot and, uh, not everybody is an idiot when they get drunk. Uh, I I know for a lot of people that is a lot of the fun of going to a game. You, you drink, you eat a hot dog and and you enjoy the game. Some people, unfortunately, uh, their mothers never taught them how to, uh, how to hold their liquor or whatever. And, uh, yeah, so you get stupid stuff, but, uh, I am definitely not interested in, uh, what's the word uh putting the scarlet letter on any particular fan base because i think it's just idiots in general unfortunately Mm -hmm. yeah i think for me sometimes i like i think that there's a difference between the fan base and people who go to games versus just like prominent media folk that happen to cover the team that every now and then you can see like there are some jerks from certain ones but in terms of the fan i think it becomes almost simple numbers right and we love talking about numbers with baseball where it's just like yankees new york LA slash California, whatever big fan bases before you make a joke about the Padres, shut up. Um, (laughs) Then you got Chicago, you got Boston. Like you're just more likely to find those. Right. And that's when it comes to the stadium and stuff. And there's obviously deeper ways to dive into this, but yeah. 
And I know that this weekend we also had the Cleveland situation, Yankee Stadium with fans throwing stuff like that was really bad. Uh, the Miles yeah. Straw incident. But yeah, we're definitely not in favor of all that stuff. I am in favor of the, the smack talk, but not uh, not of this. Yeah, and for sure. And that's why you and I never come to blows. Awesome. We genuinely like each other, you know, while we're talking <laughs> crap to each other. And, uh, you know, we should really focus on the positive, which is that the Dodgers won this series. <laughs> and, uh, you know, unfortunately, they didn't sweep them. It, uh, it looked yeah. like if Rob Manfred hadn't switched out those baseballs, Trey Turner, it's a three-run home run, and the Dodgers have this sweep. But Rob Manfred cost the Dodgers this sweep. Can we agree on that? Look, I mean, that's a big – if there's any, like, giant sweeping thing to have about baseball right now is it looks like past few years, as someone who plays fantasy baseball a lot, I always wonder which version of baseball we're going to get. Are we going to get the one where I need to make sure I have multiple aces on my team? Or is it home run fly ball? And right now, I mean, just based on some – I don't have too many numbers in front of me right now, but it's looking like there's a lot of hits. I mean, Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners, just to give some cross-reference and whatnot, and then Trey Turner – there's a lot of, oh, yeah, they deadened the ball again. And it's definitely, to me, not nearly as fun. And, uh, you know, you could use that as a reason. I know we're going to talk about that one game uh, in specific that the Padres ended up picking up the W. But, yeah, it seems like there's a deadened ball. But it hasn't totally affected the Dodgers lineup in the overall offensive output way uh, as it has affected maybe specific players. That's for certain, especially because Cody Bellinger is apparently back, uh, which yeah. is which is something. Yeah, yeah. Cody Billinger is back. You know, Gavin Lux has had a few of those this year that it, he off the bat, it looked like he got it. And then it's uh, either, you know, on the warning track or caught at the warning track or whatever. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I, I don't really want to just go game by game because that's that's a boring, you know, uh, way to structure a, a show. We just watch those game by game, you know. So uh, mm -hmm. I, I think let's just kind of talk about things as as they come up. And you just mentioned Cody Bellinger and uh, mm -hmm. Cody Bellinger is I, I think you you and I can agree when he's right talent wise, he is one of the most talented players in baseball, you know, defensively mm -hmm. speed power. Uh, he's, he's got the arm, everything, you know, and in 2019, he even had the batting average. And that's the, that's the only real thing he's never really been able to put together. But I mean, when he's right, he is so fun to watch, especially for a Dodger fan. But I assume even, even a, a guy like you can appreciate Cody Bellinger uh, when he's, when he's doing what he's doing out there. Yeah, Cody Bellinger is the one Dodgers player that I, I genuinely do like. I used to like David Price, actually, at one point. But in terms of right now, um, Trey Turner, I just – he it's not even a dislike. It's like a reminder of failure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Former and Padre for, Trey Turner? Yeah, former Padre Trey Turner. And then in terms of some other guys on the team, who am I forgetting? And then Mookie Betts is definitely probably the overall likable one. But as someone who is a lifelong hater of Boston, he reminds me of like why – I hate you Red Sox that you decided to just one trade him and then also trade him to the Dodgers. So it's a little bit hard for me to like him Bellinger. I mean, yeah, I'm a meme guy. You know me. I like the Bellinger thing. He has a cool attitude about him while his swing, I think last year and, and, and in 2022, um, 2022, uh, not the also. year. I think one thing with Bellinger is he started almost feeling like he was becoming the bizarro first baseman of the Padres. And what I mean by that is just his swing seeming like he was trying to launch every ball into the air versus Padres first baseman who must not be named hitting every ball into the ground. Right. And he struggled a lot with health and whatnot. He's had the, I think he had a shoulder thing. You can be specific on the injuries, but you know, and like you said, with the speed, you know, especially for when he was just playing first base, especially for a first baseman, I know he plays center field now, but yeah, Bellinger being back is a huge thing for the Dodgers. And I think it kind of, is a microcosm of why the Dodgers are so good, which is 
oh, Mookie Betts stunk out of the gate, and oh, Max Muncy, he's coming off an injury, he's been bad. Well, Bellinger's back. You know what I'm saying? With the Dodgers is when one guy seems to decline rapidly or be in a funk, they have other guys to bet on to not just be kind of okay, which is kind of where the Padres are in, where they just need some guys to be average, but instead they're top 20 bats in the league. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Cody Bellinger has won an MVP before. He can slug the ball and we're not doing game by game, but he hit two home runs against the Padres in the last game uh, of the series. And he looks good. He's hitting the ball hard as heck, even when it's outs, even when it's ground outs, he really does genuinely look back. Granted, this could fall apart. Health could kick in. I get it. I understand that. Um, he really did look bad the past couple of years. But as of what I've seen so far, I'd be willing to buy into Cody Bellinger being back for sure. And that makes the Dodgers even more of a nightmare for sure. Yeah, one of the points that Joe Davis has made on the Dodgers broadcast several times lately is one of the big changes Bellinger has made is he still can't hit the high fastball, so he mm -hmm. stops swinging at it. And mm -hmm. it's it's amazing, like, because most of them, sometimes they're at the top of the zone, he'll get a called strike on them, but most of the time they're up out of the zone, and it's the hardest pitch for any hitter in baseball to lay off of. It's that pitch right at your eyes. It's like you can see it better than anything. But it's really hard to hit, and especially for, for Bellinger. But he has done a really good job lately of laying off that and saying, dude, if you want to get me out, you're going to have to come down to where I can hit the ball and, and doing it that way. But li like you said, you know, the Dodgers, Mookie Betts has been struggling. Max Muncy's been struggling. Justin Turner is either struggling or just got old and, and is bad now. I'm yeah. not sure. Uh, he looked better mm -hmm. on Sunday. Uh, but, you know, Will Smith hasn't really gotten it going. And yet mm -hmm. the Dodgers – have the best run differential in baseball and the best record in baseball, you know, because mm -hmm. that's what happens when you, you stack your lineup like that. And uh, personally, I think that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly a good thing for you. I would say um, definitely agree. I think the only one that I think could maybe actually maybe be done is Justin Turner, just because of like what you said about the age. But I mean, it's just, it's a great team. I, there's not really almost as much to say about this. And with Bellinger, I think that he's just a great example of you can look up all the baseball savants. People love doing that. You and I are both on the baseball Twitter sphere. People love posting the stat cast profiles and they like looking at, well, he can't hit the high fastball. And Alex Bregman of your the, the team you certainly don't like Houston Astros. He can't hit breaking balls. These guys know this. You know what I'm saying? So it doesn't mean that because of what they've done in the past that these minor things, not sweeping statistics like they just in general swing at everything, right? Or they are terrible at defense. But like, oh, he stinks against the fastball? Oh, he's he's rough at, you know, throwing from his right when trying to ground outs from shortstop or whatever. I feel like those things you shouldn't immediately assume that they're going to carry over year to year. And the case of Cody Ballinger, now that he looks fully healthy, he looks like he's going to be a nightmare because the fact that he's like the seventh hitter in the Dodgers lineup for now uh, is why I think the, the Dodgers are probably going to continue to success. I have no doubt about that. Yeah. You know who else has a good team, Javi? Who's the that? folks over at LinkedIn Jobs. You know, with spring in the air, it's a time of renewal and growth personally and professionally. As your small business grows, LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. 
LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, let's talk about something you want to talk about. I feel like that whole first segment was just talking about how great the Dodgers are, which obviously is the point of this episode, but you know, maybe you have something to say too. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think the fun thing about these two teams is pitching. And I think that that's an, in general, National League West thing. I don't even think this is a hot take. I'm not trying to act like I'm on an undisputed or first take or whatever the heck. Right. I genuinely think the National League West has the best you know, uh, rotations, starting pitching rotations in baseball. Um, I think that the Padres, while it's, I personally believe Joe Musgrove is absolutely an ace, but I know there are some concerns. Maybe he's just a very, very good B plus a minus something like that. Not necessarily someone like Walker Buehler, who we'll talk about in a second, but for me, there's a lot of depth in the rotation. Sean Manaya got absolutely destroyed on Sunday, but something I mentioned on Twitter, he's been kind of due for that. The Reds hit him pretty hard. The Braves, he gives up some decently hard contacts, especially with that sinker, which is still lethal at times. And with the Justice League lineup that the Dodgers had, it makes sense. When does the regression to the mean happen? That's fine. I'm not worried about Shamanaya. I still think he's going to be a great pitcher. He's going to have those big game performances, maybe even against the Dodgers. But he's also going to have those performances where he gets touched up a bunch by, granted, some of the best hitters in baseball. So I'm really not concerned there. Hopefully Blake Snell and Mike Clevenger can come back, be really good. Snell looked really great at the end of last year with some mechanical changes. Clevenger, hopefully, comes back relatively healthy. And then Mackenzie Gore, big wild card for the team right now. Top pitching prospect in baseball a few years ago, has come back, looks confident, making his pitch mix even more that I can dive into. Or people will just go check out episodes on that. And then you Darvish. A little bit of a weird one, but that was a really encouraging thing is I have a, I have a fear that Darvish is just going to be very <laughs> Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, right? And instead, you know, one thing I will say about you, Darvish, is he had some really big starts uh, for the team last year. And I know that people don't like going into the, oh, high pressure and all that, but against the Dodgers for the first half of the season last year, had like three straight really good starts against them, not giving up over um, three runs in either of them. Yes, he got a little bit touched up by them for four later on in the season, but then the Dodgers, the Padres were also just falling apart in general. And then he also had some really big starts against the Cardinals last year. So I do have faith that you uh, Darvish can be quite good. And we already talked about Manaya and you got Joe Musgrove. So the depth over the rotation, I do genuinely believe that with the Padres. And I'm not worried that because the Dodgers beat them up, that that means they're all of a sudden really bad. Um, I'm wondering, though, with with the Dodgers rotation, should I be looking into the Walker Buehler thing at all? I know that it's only three starts, but in fairness, just for the listeners to know, he's got a 4.02 ERA. First start, five innings, four hits, two runs. Second start, five and two thirds two runs on five hits. And then the third start, five innings, three runs on eight hits, one walk, only a couple strikeouts. The strikeout numbers haven't been there. Is there anything there whatsoever, even in the slightest about Walker Buehler? You know, it's hard to tell at this point. Uh, April is always his, he definitely is a guy who has always gotten better as the season's gone on. His strikeout rate has never been this low, even at this point in the season. And mm -hmm. so it's, it's something to be aware of. I don't know, you know, it might be as simple as going to Arizona and getting to face the Diamondbacks to get him right, you know, uh, which is what he gets to do this week. And, and maybe that gets him on track. I, I'm not worried about Bueller at this point, but uh, 
but it's definitely something that I'm aware of. And the, the, the reason I'm not worried is because there's no real reason to suggest that, that it is going to be long-term, you know, it's not like his, he, he didn't get old, you know, he's, he's not old yet. His mm -hmm. stuff isn't bad. You know, it's mostly been a command thing, you know, where he hasn't had all of his pitches or even multiple of his pitches working in the same game. And that seems to me like something that has more to do with the, the uncertain off season and the shortened spring training and everything that unfortunately we hear all about that shortened spring training. But I think for most pitchers, that probably is at least part of the answer. You know, we saw it with Julio Urias in his first mm -hmm. couple starts, his, his uh, velocity was way down in, in spring training. And then his first start, uh, he was topping out at like 91. Well, now he, he's got three starts under his belt. So basically it's, you know, basically we're at the point where spring training should be ending now. And, oh yeah, he's thrown 94 and he looks good, you know? And so Bueller, I wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me at all if Bueller looks like vintage Bueller starting in his next start, just because we're about when spring training should have ended. And uh, Bueller works hard. He's really into the data. And so I think that he's going to, if there's something to figure out, Walker Bueller is the kind of guy who's going to figure it out. Uh, and until I see some sort of reason, underlying reason to really be concerned, I'm not going to be concerned. Yeah. And that's the thing with the, with the Dodgers. I mean, there's, there's, you need more time. And in fairness, I mentioned the strikeout thing. It's not like Bueller's a guy who gets 280 K's a year, Garrett Cole, guys like Corbin Burns, guys like that. Like he's does have a good strikeout, right? Make no mistake, but it's not freak it wouldn't freak me out if you're looking at this all the fantasy owners that may have it or like you only got two strikeouts in his last start so i wouldn't be worrying about that too much i guess the last thing i want to ask before i kick it over to you and you start maybe asking me things is just what do you think uh, of the padres and whatnot is there anything that you kind of saw in this series that you think you know suggests anything uh foreboding for the because i personally feel like one uh the rivalry is on hold <laughs> The rivalry is the rivalry is on hold to put it nicely. One because the Padres just aren't really in the same league. I think their pitching can actually be in the same league, but everything else, depth, offense certainly, and also Fernando Tatis Jr. isn't playing, and that is a really big thing for not just against the Dodgers but everybody. There is a feeling of ah, the the lust, the magic is just a little bit of a little bit gone right now. You could argue with Abrams and Gore that maybe there's some excitement there and whatnot kind of building. I'm really enjoying the jerks and Profar sort of renaissance, but yeah, it just feels like it's not really a, a thing currently. Uh, at least, and granted, we're still in what are we in April, so who knows what will happen. But what about you? Yeah, you know the the Padres. I, I agree on their pitching. It is the when you look at their pitching, their starting rotation on paper, you're like, that could be a really good team. And then obviously Manny Machado is very good. Uh, I, I know that you don't say the name Eric Hosmer, so I feel obligated to say the name Eric Hosmer repeatedly. Eric Hosmer <laughs> has been hitting really well so far this season. And it is, you know, it, it has been uh, two years since his last good season. And so maybe he's scheduled for a good season. Mm -hmm. And maybe mm -hmm. Eric Hosmer, Eric Hosmer, Eric Hosmer is scheduled for a good season. Um, <laughs> but uh you know, it, it does seem like, uh, yeah, missing Tatis, it does, it changes things a little bit. Like, it, for one, it allows the Padres to set a record for most games in a row without an error. Uh, that's, you know, that's a benefit to not having Fernando Tatis Jr. in the lineup, I guess. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> the dude How had 874 you? errors last I've year. I've had Bobby. enough. 
I've had oh. enough. He got much better down the stretch. I've had enough of the Tatis errors. Wait, somebody on the Padres got better down the stretch last year. Oh Weird. my God! How dare you? This is oh, disgraceful. Man. Um, <laughs> yeah, did you see Tim Anderson made six errors in four games the other day? I did see that. What the heck week? was that? <laughs> yeah, that, I think it was his his paying tribute to Fernando Tatis Jr. Stop, dude. Um, all right, I already stop. said he's off limits. Leave my man alone. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know. I agree. The rivalry is on hold. Uh, it's been on hold for some of us for a long time. Uh, I, I would love for it to be a rivalry. It's it's one of those things where, you know, they don't even both have to be good, but they both have to be trying to be good. And that's why, you know, I, I don't think the rivalry is any more on hold than it than it has been, uh, because I, I think the Padres are a somewhat worthy foe in the in the division. Uh, and if anything, it's it's more because of the way what the Dodgers have done to build their team. That's uh, I, I think Padres have potential to win, you know, ninety to ninety three games this year, which is it's a good team. You know, uh, I think I definitely expect them to battle the Giants for second place in the division, and mm-hmm. and and so I, I think there's that potential there. Uh, mm-hmm. But really, I mean, you can't force a rivalry even on the field. Mm-hmm. Like e- even if they were battling for the division, the Dodgers and Padres every year. Until the fans really care on both sides, yeah. it's it's mm-hmm. not going to be a real rivalry. And I do think that there's a big chunk of of baseball Twitter, especially Dodgers Twitter, that insists that it's not a rivalry, but they insist it so much and so often and so loudly <laughs> that uh, you know they're kind of telling on themselves. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, I really don't tweet about the Padres except when the Dodgers are playing the Padres. And but but also I'm I'm different in the rivalry sense because. I don't care about the Giants when the Dodgers aren't playing them either, except, you know, yeah. unless they're battling for the division. You know, I, uh, the only time I care about the Giants is when the Dodgers are playing them or when what the Giants do affects the Dodgers. And same with the Padres and same with the Mets and the Braves and the Expos or the Expos in the league. I can't remember. I'm not a baseball guy, really. <laughs> I think when it comes to the whole rivalry thing, I have always believed a nascent rivalry still counts, even if it's rather new. But I will say the, when the Padres and Dodgers, when they when they were both on, so let's say 2020 and 2021, especially the first half of 2021, I know that the Giants are better, but that doesn't always mean rivalry to me. To me, it's all that extra stuff. It's on top of being the vision. It's the fact that you have, and I disagreed, Manny Machado yelling at Bruce Dargrado, right? You have the randomly Profar and Clayton Kershaw last year. And it's like Clayton Kershaw and Jerks and Profar too, like not the type of players that seem to be getting into stuff when those things start happening. Because then you get the other fans that say, well, the real rivalry is with the Giants. Yeah, but that's just good baseball. Those are just good baseball teams. There hasn't been that like, to me anyway, and granted, maybe I'm a little bit more new to it, just that that real heat and tension Instead, it's just good baseball teams. And to me, I need a little bit more before we start saying that. So I think that we've seen that from the Padres on top of when they were really good and still can be good uh, on top of just a little bit of the a little bit of the chatter. And I think you're right that when the fans start getting into it uh, even more, I think that's when the fireworks come out. And I think a big part of that is they need Tatis back. And until that happens, um, it's very unlikely that we're going to see that sort of thing. They need they need a bigger boost in their lineup. Yeah, and you can't force a rivalry. The Dodgers and Giants have a hundred years of history. Uh, they literally had one of their guys try to murder the other team's guy with a baseball bat back in the '60s. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of history there, and I, mm-hmm. I think that Machado and Tatis are kind of trying to force that issue a little bit. And I think it mm-hmm. just has to come naturally and over time. 
yeah. but why don't you tell me about Built Bar Hobby? <laughs> you know, I was just about to transition to that, Jeff, because uh, while I'm I have, yeah, it's okay. Well, I have like a bunch of different reasons for why rivalries and this and that. I also have a bunch of reasons for what makes the best protein bar. All right. It's not just, oh, it tastes good. That's a big piece. But here's the thing about Built Bars, right? They're really healthy for you because if you check out the macros, most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Now, you might be wondering, well, okay, cool, but those are just numbers. I don't, I don't like numbers. Tell me more. Tell me more. I will tell you more. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. It's a big difference. That's a big difference. And I already mentioned the taste. They taste great. Covering 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. But the other thing that I love about Built Bars so much is they have an incredible variety of flavors. That's what I need. I, I'm Mr. Variety, Jeff. All right. I need more. I like to have different stuff. All right. Maybe I'm not in the mood for peanut butter brownie. Maybe I'm not in the mood for white chocolate cookies and cream. No problem. There's like 37 other flavors that Built Bar has you covered with. Like my personal favorite. Chalk. Yeah, that one's good. And my personal favorite is Apple Almond Crisp. I know that. A lot of people like the coconut brownie chunk one. I know my mom, she loves cherry barcia. And they even had like a, a gingerbread and eggnog flavor. They've, they're probably going to have some, what are, what, what are we in right now? April? They'll have some new summer flavor that comes out. I was going to say Easter for a second. They're going to have some summer themed flavor probably come out too. So guys, Built Bar, they are the best protein bars on the market. And because you're listening to this episode, you can go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Remember that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Good job, Javi. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, so it turns out we haven't really talked about the series actually much. We, uh, no, we have not, no. But that's okay. You know, if you had told me going into this series, Dodgers are going to win two and lose one, I would have pointed and said, well, I assume they're going to lose the one that's you, Darvish, against Tyler Anderson. Nothing mm -hmm. against Tyler Anderson. And like you talked about earlier, you Darvish, you kind of wonder necessarily, you know, you don't necessarily know what you're going to get from him. Uh, ever since they uh, cracked down on the sticky stuff, you know, I think you Darvish and, and Trevor Bauer were two of the biggest pitchers affected by that. You know, and Garrett Cole probably too. Uh, James Karinczak is another one. Yeah. <laughs> James um, Karinczak is in AAA. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, closer to the future right there. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so all in all, as a Dodger fan, Looking at the series, it would have been nice to get a sweep, but it's kind of the Dodgers kind of dominated in the two games that, you know, definitely the, the first game of the series was a game I definitely expected the Dodgers to win. There was a, you know, a little lingering concern in my head for Sunday's game just because the Dodgers do struggle against left-handed pitching. Shamanaya is very good. Uh, and, and, you know, Clayton Kershaw, He's been really, really good this year, and you you just worry. Okay, when 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 he came back to the Dodgers, it's like okay, we don't really know what we're going to get from him this year. Yeah. I expect him to be good, but you know, and Sunday really was more of what we kind of expected from Clayton Kershaw when he came back was not dominant, didn't get a ton of strikeouts, but he he got weak contact and and you know he put the Dodgers in a position to win the game. You know, mm -hmm. uh, if you could get five innings of one run ball from Clayton Kershaw every game you'll take that for sure and uh you know so all in all the series kind of went how i expected and and kind of even hoped it would mm -hmm. yeah i mean kershaw there's a chance that the wear and tear of the season um i know they had that controversy over the perfect game stuff and trying to make him healthy and at 80 pitches and all that stuff which i, I do agree with your take 
after initially. I do still think that it's hilarious that I just had a reason to make fun of the Dodgers for being because it was just God damn it. Of course, of course. But also in fairness, like you brought up with Rob Manfred and blah, blah, blah. Um, I think that with Kershaw, I, I've always viewed the Kershaw thing as very simple. He's just not invincible anymore. Um, this is a guy that can get touched up by people. He gave up four runs and not to start against the Padres, but the previous one, it's going to happen. And we're going to see if the wear and tear of a season affects him and that he becomes a really solid number three, right? And I guess that the upside is still a pretty good number two. Like I said, I just don't think he's invincible anymore, but that's not necessarily an insult. I mean, this is one of the best pitches of our generation. He's going to be a Hall of Famer in two seconds, aside from maybe if you get some like, I love it when you get the biased, uh, like baseball writer. Um, it's one of my favorite things, like the Red Sox, the one bo- person who didn't vote Jeter in the Hall of Fame was from Boston. Like, I enjoy that personally. I think it's hilarious um, when it happens. Um, maybe you get some San Diego writer who doesn't put Kershaw first ballot. But for me, I wouldn't be concerned if I'm a Dodgers fan uh, whatsoever, especially because the depth can make up for it. And yeah, you Darvish pitch really well. Uh, only one one hit I mentioned earlier. He can show up in big games. I think that we saw basically what's going to happen for the rest of the year, right? The Dodgers bats against certain of the Padres pitching when they're not on are going to go off. It's going to happen against a lot of teams with that lineup. And also Padres, they can play close games. I think that their bullpen is going to be really good. I know that they got touched up in this, this series for sure, but I like Taylor Rogers. I like Robert Suarez, who unfortunately turned me into the Joker for a little bit for the opening day game, but I do like him going forward. I think I trust Trevor Hoffman, man. He said he likes Robert Suarez, so I trust Trevor Hoffman. And I think that they have really great defense, even if C.J. Abrams hasn't quite evolved into what people hope he's going to be. He's been a plus defender. Hassan Kim's a plus defender. Machado, Cronenworth, and then even Profar has been pretty good so far. And he got Grisham to make up for what about the first the What's they, his name? To make up for the fact that they have two black holes kind of on their team right now with both Will Myers, who I still got some love for, and the ground ball gremlin who must not be named, of course, over at first base, uh, who actually has made a couple nice scoops to start the year. I will give him credit there. In terms of defensive stuff, he's only made one real semi-error uh, this year. It was from a nice play from Machado in the Reds or Giants series. I forgot which one. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I feel about the whole thing. I do want to ask you, though, I know we haven't talked about specific games. The extra inning win, uh, and this isn't us getting into the whole extra innings rule debate. We can leave that to Paul Francis Sullivan, who likes to tag me in the MLB chat every single time it happens. Uh, but he likes the rule, right? Point. Yeah, he, he, he loves the rule. Sully he loves, loves the extra the inning rule. Go ask him about it. Ask, Go ask Sully him Baseball. It. Tell him we, <laughs> please, we said yeah. you love the rule. <laughs> please tag us that he loves the rule. Um, you brought up an interesting point about the Chris Taylor slide into third base and Jerkson Profar with an excellent throw from the outfield. But you did bring up a point about how you're not allowed to block home plate, but seemingly in this case, you're allowed to block third base. My personal view on it was it felt like Manny was going to where the ball actually landed, but it is a good point to say that, well, he kind of basically is blocking that and it could result in some injuries. Diver, um, divulge on that opinion a little bit more. So even on like at, at home plate, a catcher is allowed to block the plate once he has the ball and, mm-hmm. or if the throw carries him into the, into the runner's path. Uh, but the only way that re- can really happen is on a throw from left field to the catcher, left field to the third base. Like there are a thousand different ways Manny Machado could have caught that throw that wouldn't have involved blocking the base. How every other third baseman catches that every time is he stands on the home plate side of third base, takes a throw and slaps the tag. 
And, uh, you know, Chris Taylor probably would have been out if Machado had fielded it like that because it was a great throw from Profar and, you know, ha had Taylor beat. Uh, the, the one thing Taylor maybe could have done would have been, you know, if he sees where Machado set up, Taylor tries to do a hook slide to the outside of the bag, you know, and try to try to get around him. And but yeah, the, the thing is in the rule book, they only made the rule for home plate. You are allowed to block the base. It, it's kind of ridiculous. And, uh, you know, and, and so I, I hope my tweet didn't come across as critical of Machado because it would be stupid not to do that if you're you know, if you think it's going to help you win and it's legal, go do it. You know, uh, I, I've been critical of Manny Machado at other times when he's done things that uh, are are less legal um, or at least more of a gray area. This one, though, really, it's, it seems like an issue with the rules to me because Chris Taylor, you know, coming in, he's kind of defenseless because he, he's trying to get to the bag and then he ends up sliding shoulder first into Manny Machado's quad. Legal. And uh, I mean... If Machado didn't have such chicken legs, like that could have been dangerous. But uh, I man, Manny Machado's chicken legs—we could do a whole episode about that. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's uh, I don't know. Like the the only thing that Taylor really could have done would have been if he saw in enough time that Machado was in front of the bag, is going feet first and spike Manny in the quad because and not not high spikes, but you know, even a regular slide, Manny's going to come out bloody on that the way that he dropped his leg there to, to block the base. And it seems like a silly uh, oversight in the rules that uh, you're allowed to block all the bases except home plate now. Yeah, uh, I think that's really well said. And it's something that I genuinely had not thought about. Um, again, this is not a Machado slander thing. And I just want to, because, you know, the, the pods fans may come after me and say, oh, you're Dodger loving this. You're so, you have to hate his opinion. You have to hate everything the Dodgers do. And to be honest with you, and we did this in our season preview, I've been somewhat defensive of certain things about the Dodgers. The whole money thing, yeah, of course, that's a big deal of how, how the Dodgers are very good. Of course it is. Of course it helps you a lot. But also, you have to blame some other teams for not spending money, and you also have to look at the fact that the Dodgers have a really good farm system. That's why they are able to maintain and still keep doing things. That's why they don't have to worry about Corey Seager leaving because they're like, well, we have enough assets to then trade for Trey Turner and vice versa. Does the money play a fact into them being able to keep Trey Turner potentially down the line? Of course. But Bellinger, who had a bunch of home runs, so I've just, I have to at least try my best to not always be uh, super mean and super smack talky because to be honest, then you come off a little bit just silly uh, if, if being quite frank, but I think that's a great point. That's something that people should probably look into because I don't want my third baseman getting hurt. I don't want Chris Taylor getting hurt. You don't want context like that. And I think that one of the reasons we stopped it from home play is because it's just not baseball when you do this contact sports stuff. Is it hilarious sometimes when baseball fights happen? Of course. But that's not what I'm talking about. He's in the Buster Posey rule happened. My dad, I know, who was the least old school old person I know. Somehow he always hated the clashes at home plate. He's like, that's not baseball. Right. And I don't think that this is baseball either, where potentially Manny could get hurt. Chris Taylor could get hurt. And it is something that I definitely would be curious to see uh, other people's uh, thoughts on it. So feel free to comment and tweet at us and whatnot. But uh, yeah, that was the, uh, your, your Twitter every now and then have you have a, you have a, t a tweet about Manny Machado Padres related that I, that I can get along with every now and then. Yeah. I, I don't tweet about Manny much, uh, you know, uh, basically just every time he, uh, does something controversial so only eight or ten times a month but uh it's yeah you know it, one of the things that 
I, I like about you, Javi. Let me put it differently. The only thing I like about you, Javi, is <laughs> that you know you are a, a level-headed, level-headed fan. I think that one of the things this is going to sound like network promotion. One of the things that the Locked On Network brings you, uh, in most cases, is good, intelligent uh, baseball talk and analysis of baseball stuff. And yeah, I mean, we are all fans of the teams that we do podcasts for. Uh, and, but with only a few exceptions, it's not super homery. You know, it's, I think you have hosts who can acknowledge uh, strengths, even in their rivals teams and uh, acknowledge weaknesses in their own teams and uh, acknowledge that, uh, oh, I almost said acknowledge that your team cheated to win the 2017 World Series, but that was the one exception. That show is not so good at the level headed, but you know, they're nice guys. So, um, anyway, I, I think we are way over time on this. So, uh, you got anything else you want to add before we finish this up, Javi? No, uh, I was just going to ask you what people can look forward to. I imagine Padres listeners might not want to hear it, but still. And then also next time, I believe that the Padres and Dodgers play is June 30th. Uh, so it's going to be a while. Uh, one thing about the Padres schedule for, for the a while now is that they play Cincy, then they play Pittsburgh, and then they play Cleveland for two, then Miami, then Chicago Cubs. So it's a while before the Padres face not just the Dodgers, but any division uh, opponent for a while. So I think that is one thing pointed out that it will be and we'll have a lot more to talk about the next time our two teams face off a little bit more evidence and whatnot to look at. But anything you want to tell the good people? Yeah, no, yeah, it, it, it is a weird schedule. Dodgers, you know, like you said, only play the Padres once. I think the Dodgers only play the Giants once in the first month or two of the season. And so it's uh, it's a weird little schedule, but it will make things more exciting in the second half because there will be a lot of head-to-head uh, games with a, a chance to affect the division race. And, uh, yeah, you know, who knows what the situation will be like with that. But, I mean, obviously uh, the fact that Tatis missing half the season and he's only going to miss – you know, one or two series against the Dodgers potentially, yeah. uh, you know, that, that, that's a big deal. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said, well, Jeff. Well always said. good to talk to you, Javi. Uh, always good. Especially after a Dodgers series win, you know, let's do this every time the Dodgers win a series against the Padres. And uh, all I want to say at the end is Eric Hosmer, Eric Hosmer, Eric Hosmer, Eric Hosmer, <laughs> Eric Hosmer. I think that was a high using my rally copter to outdo your evil spell that you're currently casting. I will not allow it. Just, just get away. Get away. And let, wait, let, just to see if it was a hot take you said earlier, let me do it in my mad dog Russo voice. The best pitching in the in baseball is in the national league West. They have the best pitching staffs in baseball. Did it sound like a hot take? <laughs> that was pretty good. That wasn't too bad. That wasn't too bad. The New York radio voice. I never get tired of. I will say that. I could listen to Mad Dog Russo Here, say anything. I, I I'm not gonna lie, I'd be entertained. <laughs> well, all right. He's I like, guess oh, is... oh, the, the the players, the unwritten rules. You can't. You're already if you're up by five runs, it's okay. It's okay. But if you're up by ten, I mean, you can't. It's like, do they, do they do that in the NBA? I love that point. Oh well, the NBA when you're winning by thirty, they they take out for the subs. It's like, yeah, okay, cool. You don't have that many players in baseball. I and can't also, the imagine subs don't listening to enough Russo to know specific examples of things he said. Yeah, I, Weird. I was That's listening where to you and I are different, hobby. All right, I'm hitting end recording now. Okay. <laughs> yeah,